Hello and welcome to Season 7 of the Dungeon Master's Diary. The Dungeon Master's Diary has been evolving over a very long period of time. I think I started it around about Season 3 of Roleplay Rescue, which has got to be well over a year ago. I'd have to go and check those dates. Nonetheless, the Dungeon Master's Diary is basically a stitched together collection of short, well, usually short, sometimes much longer recordings that I make throughout my week, really, as I go through life and as I think of things and as ideas strike me. Sometimes those things come from my listening to other podcasts, especially those here on the Anchorite role-playing community. But often they're just some things I've been reading or thinking about, interactions I've had with other gamers, whether that be on my own games or through the interactions with students at the school in which I work. Essentially, though, it's raw, it's unedited, and, yeah, it's not everyone's cup of tea. So I wanted you to be aware that going forward, it's going to change a little bit. I've become aware over the last few weeks, really, of how I've started to speak to you, the listener, rather than straight out to myself. And this is a bit of a a change, because originally it was just me talking out loud, Um, But I know there's an audience now, and so I wanted to say hello and tell you that I am slightly thinking differently when it comes to the Dungeon Master's Diary. And there are a couple of things I'm going to do that separate this from another outlet that I'm inventing. So patrons know that I occasionally release extra recordings and bits and pieces up onto my Patreon at patreon.com slash rpgrescue. What I tend to do there is either post collections of bits I've pulled from Dungeon Master's Diary that never got aired, or if you're a $5 patron, actually I've been creating this thing called a design diary, but that's kind of going to go and morph itself into a new production, a monthly thing I'm just going to call Secret Fire. So let's talk about what you can expect from the Dungeon Master's Diary. Most of the recordings I make through a fortnight period, two-week period, are going to go into Dungeon Master's Diary and be released on a Saturday during Season 7. However, sometimes there will be something that I feel is either lengthy um, or uh, maybe a sequence of thoughts that I think is maybe not necessarily that helpful to the average user. Um, And I'm going to post those together, collect those together once a month into a bonus episode of the Dungeon Master's Diary, which I'll put out through the Patreon. On top of that, I'm going to be working on my new world. Well, it's the old world, really. The world I've been basically dreaming of and fiddling around with and scratching notes about since 1983, my Kovnia. And my thoughts about my Kovnia and my development of that setting, that world... And how I go about playing in that world and inviting players into that world, that's all going to be captured in Scraps from the Table Evolution called A Secret Fire. If you're a $5 patron, then you get access to those. But I will say this, if you ever intend in playing in Mycovnia and gaming with me in that world, do not listen to those episodes. They absolutely need to become secret. And in the words of Gandalf to Frodo, Keep it secret. Keep it safe. So, 
Let's dive in to this, the first episode of Season 7, and see where it takes us. Game on. Things he won't share with us, the darkness in his brain, the dungeon master's plan, the pleasure and the pain, what's better left unknown, keep calling out to me, I hear him think out loud, to die. My name is Che Webster, and this is the Roleplay Rescue Dungeon Master's Diary. Hey Che, Jason here, just listening to the last entry for the DM's Diary for Season 6. And I don't know that you did the wrong thing there at the end of Harn, that that session of Harn, by continuing the combat. I I think it would have required a conversation with a player that was still alive. You you know, because if you had just summarily said, well, obviously you're going to die in this combat, so we're not going to finish it, then, you you know, that's kind of... At that point, you are taking away his, his player agency to finish out what he's trying to do, right? So, and let's be honest, RPG combat swingy enough, there is that slight possibility he could have survived. But as far as his other options, I don't know. I, I definitely see what you're saying and don't disagree with the idea of maybe some of the orcs should have tried to take him down. The limited perspective I have, which is solely from listening to the DM's diary, you, you know, I don't know that it may, would have made any sense for the player to surrender because the unconscious, the characters got knocked unconscious have already been, you know, sentenced to being eaten alive by these by these meat-eating orcs. Wouldn't call them cannibals because they're not humans, but but you know what I mean. So if he surrendered, and, and the way you describe what they know and what they believe of the culture, why would the character believe anything would happen except he would get eaten by the orcs if he surrendered? So I don't. And again, I wasn't in the session, so there might have been more nuance than that. But yeah, I don't know. I I think that was a real tough position you were in because it's obvious the other players are just maybe not having so much fun sitting and watching. And so as a, as the GM, you kind of have responsibility. But at the same time, you don't want to steal this other character's agent, the other player's agency, and say, "Well, you're just going to die. You, you don't have a chance. So we're going to end the combat without letting you finish playing it out." You, you know, um, I, I mean, if you had approached. I, I don't know. It, it was a tough situation you were in. So I definitely can't say you did the right or wrong thing because without being in your shoes myself in that particular situation, that'd be, that'd be pretty unfair of me. But I appreciate your, your sharing that because it definitely makes me think about how I would approach something that like that in the future and helps me plan and think about that in the future. So you're sharing that experience has definitely given me tools and ways to become a better GM myself. So I thank you for that. Hey Che, hope you're well. Really enjoyed the last episode of Dungeon Master's Diary 43, I think it was. Uh, particularly your uh, revelation or realisation or perhaps a discovery, possibly the a better word, um, of rules getting in the way of immersion. Um what's interesting about that 
as it's something I've spoken about in the past, but in the last couple of weeks, I've had the opposite realisation, engaging with a system with really kind of granular combat, um, something that I've avoided up until now, and found that it really brought a level of drama to combat. One-on-one combat, I stress, but... um, yeah, just interesting that we appear to have crossed paths. Not crossed paths, I mean switched sides. Um, just interesting that in the, in the past I've kind of thought that if you want to make combat more interesting, just change the way you're narrating it. But um, more often than not, we don't bother doing that. You know, we... We just play it as as we've always played. So having that baked into the rules like that really uh, showed me what it could be like. And it wasn't just one-on-one combat. We had like a, a bit of a skirmish going on. It probably wouldn't work for a mass combat. But um, yeah, just really interesting stuff. Anyway, love the episode and... Uh, Look forward to the next season of Roleplay Rescue. Take care. So the first of uh, many, many call-ins that I've received over the last few weeks. Thank you very much to Jason and, of course, to Spencer. Uh, great, great comments and thoughts, really. I'm going to just say this up front, actually. I'm going to sort of intersperse the call-ins between my bits of the DMD. And I'm also going to say this is going to run very, very long. I think there's an awful lot that I've been wittering on about over the last couple of weeks. So, I don't know, this could be a very long episode. We will see. Anyway, I wanted to pick up on... And Jason's thought was, you know, that maybe I was in a really difficult situation. Um, And I'll be honest with you, Jason, there wasn't much nuance in in that battle that you're talking about. And that was kind of part of the problem, really. I think that... um, I kind of feel like and I look back on it I, I you know what were the players going to do uh, once they got into the situation the you know it was either get involved or don't and um yeah they they went into the trap so clam you know it got them do I feel bad about that um I don't know I kind of do because um, I always feel bad about killing characters and I always feel bad about when the game grinds to a halt like that but on the other hand you know getting involved was on you know especially with half the party that was that was a bad choice frankly spencer um thank you so much for your comments and i'm glad that you've been experiencing more you know uh rules that have sort of provide you with more mechanisms around combat and that and that's been a positive thing for you i'm not sure in this case it was the rules getting in the way of my immersion the other world immersion it was actually the fact that we hadn't discussed what we were trying to get out of the game more than anything and um we switched to already step on up kind of mode of play that was kind of my point away from a sort of uh, dreaming together focus towards a step on up focus and I I just find that jarring um, when I look back on it in fact at the moment it was fine but as the gap combat went on I realized the trap that I they had turned into a trap for me and I don't think that was a really helpful thing and I guess what I felt most uncomfortable with is that there's not what I intended you know at all um, I don't think the rules themselves were a problem uh, it's just how we apply them and this is the thing there's a massive gap between our methodology the the way we play and 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 the rules that we use that there is a difference between those two things and um i'm still trying to grasp and grapple with that anyway i'm going to stop witching i'm going to dive in but um 
yeah thanks very much for the call-ins and uh yeah i'm gonna try and do this probably in chronological order so you'll probably have been a bit of me and a bit of a call-in and a bit of me and a bit of a call-in let's see what we got it's saturday july the 4th 2020 i'm uh Deep in thought, actually, today um, about my world of Mycovnia and in contact with Daniel Jones, who's been sharing me very graciously, taking me into his confidence and sharing with me some pieces, bits and pieces of his primeval fantasy RPG, which I'm not going to talk about. I just wanted to say that you know, these two things are coming together in a, in a wonderful way, which adds to my hobby and essentially gives me the third. And I think final strand of my gaming. So let's just recap for, well, anyone who's new, I suppose, is being a start of a, a new month and a new season. Um, so I have three ongoing games, if you count my Kovnia, which is not yet in play, and there are no players taking part at this time. So for me, I guess I'm beginning solo. That is being played with the goal of achieving otherworld immersion in my fantasy realm. But alongside that, I'm playing in a monthly game of uh, Han, Webster's Han, which is played using the GURPS role-playing system. And that takes place at the pretty much the last weekend of every month. So we've just had a game, and if you want to hear how that went, you can listen to the episodes around the tail end of Season 6, and it'll catch you up to speed with that. The... Second game I've been playing has been um, on Friday night, so I've always had an ongoing game uh, since 1998, I think it was, when Ian and I first met here in Nottingham, and we started playing at the Nottingham Gaming Club, which is over in the Meadows area of, or was over in the Meadows area of Nottingham. I don't know if the game, the club still exists. I doubt it. But after a while, because that had become so fragmented and small um, and we weren't really interacting with anyone else there, we brought the game to my house. And so I suppose from about 1999 onwards, 21 years now, we've been gaming on a Friday night at my house here in Nottingham or near Nottingham. And that's been great. Um, but of course, with the COVID-19 pandemic outbreak here in the UK and lockdown just prior to the lockdown about a week before seeing the way this was going and being quite concerned about the health of my friends um, we took the game online on Friday nights at the time the game was being played in Dolmanwood we were playing Gavin Norman's Dolmanwood setting um, with the old school essentials rules which are a distillation of BX and highly recommended and that was all going fine until essentially that sort of ran out of steam. Um, but again, if you want to hear the stories of and, and bits of the diary that kind of connect with that game, go back to season six. And yeah, we've been thinking and plotting of playing a game on Friday nights using Savage Worlds, the Savage Worlds Adventure Edition game, uh, in in what I sort of loosely termed Weird War 2, um, which I know is kind of one of their settings. Although I think I'm going to mix it up a little bit with some Akhtung Cthulhu as well, because that has a wonderful Savage Worlds, at least from the Deluxe Edition of Savage Worlds materials as well. 
But unfortunately, that game has not got off the ground. So we were supposed to have a game last night, and that essentially got postponed because of the four players that are coming online, um, two of them couldn't make it for personal reasons, some really good personal reasons. I mean, this is obviously a very difficult time. And it's a great shame in lots of ways. Um, but I will be honest and say that I was also slightly relieved in that I was just so tired yesterday. And um, I think it is... Uh, it is interesting, isn't it, that um, as this uh, whole kind of weird pandemic thing goes on and drags on, and even after we start to try and unlock things here in the UK, it is just proving very tiring. So, those are the three games on my on my radar, but there's a little bit more, because last week I got into a wonderful conversation on Thursday night, um, once again, with Arlen Walker and Jason Connolly, and... Evil Jeff, out on the Roleplay Rescue Discord, and we were just chatting around about a lot of different things, and one of the things that I'd, I sort of threw at Arlen, actually, was, would you be prepared to run me through some 2D20 uh, game stuff, and Arlen agreed that he would be happy to run either 2D20 Conan or 2D20 John Carter of Mars. Now, I don't own the latter, but I do own Conan, so I sort of said, yeah, that'd be great, that's... Um, maybe plan that so we haven't got a date we are thinking about the summer I've got the summer holidays about three weeks away from when I record this and of course there's plenty of time then and I can also be a bit more flexible about my hours as well because you know I don't have to worry about work in the morning so we're going to seriously think about doing some 2d20 and, and, and a part of that conversation was also me talking about wanting to play or run or do something with Star Trek Adventures as well the 2d20 system of that so that's on my radar to play with. I, I Last night I was fiddling around and looking through the Star Trek Adventure rulebook um, and just getting my head around the basics again, which is was good read, actually. And I, I need to go to the... I know where it is. It's at the back of the, the highest stack of books in my hobby room. But the Conan book as well needs digging out. I've, you know what? I don't even think I've cracked it out of its... You know, cracked it open at all. I think it's possibly still even in shrink wrap. But I, uh, I bought in big time to the Conan Kickstarter to the point of actually buying multiple rule books and giving a copy to a couple of my friends. So, I mean, you know, I was up for that, but it's never really come about um, for lots of different reasons. So I'm, I'm looking forward to Arlen taking me through that and seeing if he can engage me with that. I guess I just wanted to say that in a sort of theoretical sense, where I'm at now is, is that I have different strands of gaming. So in terms of other world immersion, I am going to Mycovnia and I am exploring and experimenting with Daniel James and we're going to see where things take that. Um, but actually, my gamist head, um, the style of play that she's about, sort of step on up and um, action adventure, um, and also my desire to head into a more narrative style as well to try and find out what that's about. Um, these things are being kind of um, encouraged, I suppose. In the conversation I had on Thursday with Arlen, Jason and Evil Jeff, um, I was talking about how I'm, you know, I'm very drawn to two points of the triangle um, that Ron Edwards kind of conceptually painted out um, about, you know, what's often termed game, gameism, simulationism and narrativism. And um, of course, these uh, titles should not be, a, I just did it myself, actually, but um, we shouldn't have call people gamists, simulationists and narrators because I don't think that any of us are wholly one of those things. We, I like to exp uh, sort of imagine it as being on a spectrum, moving along the edges of that triangle, as it were, between two points most of the time. And um, uh, 
I often slide along between gamism and simulationism. And obviously what I'm doing with Daniel is very much going into the simulationist point deeper and deeper and deeper. Um, what I'm doing with Savage World is very much going into the gamist point. You know, that's that's wonderful system for that kind of approach to play where it's going to be that top-down view and lots of miniatures and all that kind of jazz, lots of action and adventure in a gamist kind of step-on-up way, a challenge kind of way. Um, and, but the third point is the one I want to explore because I, I've never really been there. And the interesting thing was talking to Arlen about this was I, I confess that I don't think I can GM there. I don't think I can GM narrativist Um at this stage anyway, I just don't know how to do that, but um, I'm willing to learn. And I think one way of learning is asking Arlen to take me on that narrativist journey, that narr into narrativism, um, you know, through this game of 2D20 Conan. And I'm going to have a go at taking the journey from, I'm going to go between sort of narrativism and gamism on that axis with Star Trek Adventures and see how that feels and see if I can move increasingly towards uh, a narrative style of play as well, a narrative goal, because I'd really like to you know, explore all three of these approaches to gaming, these goals in gaming, really, because that's what they are. They are goals, they are outcomes. It's the purpose for why we're playing, you know, to create a, a fantastic narrative that's thematically kind of true. Or is it to you know, challenge each other and sort of step it up into the arena, as it were, and sort of wrestle um, in, a, in a sort of um, in an adventurous kind of way? Or is it um, to dive deeper and dream together into a world that is, um, you know, evocative and immersive in, in another world sense? So I'm looking forward to, over the next year or two, really, really exploring these different, goals in gaming because i think we can as individuals explore them all and enjoy them all and of course we need to find the games the methods um and those worlds that engage us in those styles of game so that's what i'm up for game on it's Tuesday morning and i uh, just been listening this morning to a few podcasts, one of which was by Safer from Safer Fantasy Crafting, I think is the name of the podcast on Anchor. And it was an interesting listen because his second episode is directly responding um, to the conversation that Jason and I had, had a while ago, Jason Hobbs and I had had about gaming seriously. And, you know, it's funny in a way because I feel like I've become a caricature of like serious play and don't you dare have fun and there is a wrong way of playing which I just feel like is so undeserved but I guess it seems that way to other people and um, you know I am but an appearance in the end you know <laughs> whatever you think I am I guess that's what I am at least to you but I'm not that and um, you know I, I don't know I'm just going to talk about it a minute because there was something very important that Safer said at the start of that podcast he was pointing out that Jason and I had kind of had this conversation where We'd come to recognise that if we wanted to play in the way that we wanted to play very seriously and with deep other world immersion, as I later went on to discuss with Daniel James, that essentially we had to find the right players for that. And that meant essentially changing your group. And he said something very simple, which was, I don't want to change my group. I want to game with my friends. And quite rightly so. I mean, I was, I was quite chastened by that because I feel like, yeah, you're right. But then I realised that this is the difficulty we have as gamers, that we're not talking to each other about what we want. I mean, I've gamed with Ian, my friend Ian, for 21 years. And every time I have initiated a conversation 
or he has initiated a conversation, I think it's mostly, it feels like it's mostly come my way. He, he and I just have different desires from our gaming. It's quite obvious, it's, you know. And um, when I game on a Sunday, uh, sorry, on a Friday with him, I have to be aware that, you know, we've got to play in a way that's, you know, what he wants. And and of course, that's the point, isn't it? That you have to adapt yourself to the people you're with. And and therefore, we need to talk to the people that we're with. You know, for goodness sake, we need to talk to each other about what we want. And of course, for that, we need tools because we need a language. We need to be able to discuss that. And I think that's where the eight engagements that I spoke about so many months ago now comes from. This, this idea that there are many engagements in gaming and actually identifying within ourselves those which we we desire or perhaps helping others identify within themselves that which they desire because actually I think often we can't see it in ourselves it's only when other people you know play with us that they can start to uncover those desires that we have the things the moments when we become immersed in our gameplay and of course there are many types of immersion and this is the thing that has been most misunderstood recently um the other world immersion that Daniel and I've been talking about is just but one facet of immersion. That's why Daniel invented the term otherworld immersion, because he recognised that immersion is such a vague term. You know, there are so many ways in which I become immersed. I can become immersed in the character, I can become immersed in the narrative, I can become immersed in uh, the conflict, in, a, in the tactical challenge, I can become immersed in a conversation, I can become immersed in so, so many things. What is it that you want to be immersed in? What is it that brings you joy and excitement at the table? And for me, it's many things, you know, it's not just the world, but it is often that I am seeking that other world immersion personally when others aren't and I feel its absence. And so I guess, you know, maybe I am going to be forced to play alone because actually that element of fantasy that I'm seeking, and that is, by the way, really the, um, you know, the engagement that I'm talking about. For me, it's fantasy. I want to immerse myself in the fantasy. I want to, to be alive, as real to me as, as reality is, if I could dream that way. I want to dare to dream in that depth. And of course, there are very few people around me who want to go there because to reach that requires giving up other engagements or at least allowing those focuses, those engagements to fall aside as less important. Of course, there is one other big engagement for me, and that is conflict. I love conflict and challenge, and, and therefore I love a really good tactical game. And that's why I love tabletop war games, and it's why I love skirmish war gaming. And it's why I love the crunchy combat game as well in, in a role-playing game. You know, that really detailed fight. I'm quite happy. I could play fights all day long if they're tactical and crunchy, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's joy for me. That's fun. That's another engagement, you know. And... Um, that's, that's the thing, isn't it? That we all have these different engagements. But I, I want you to really and seriously think about what you want from your game, but then to realise that you might have to sacrifice what you want for the sake of your group of friends, that and that actually is the right thing to do. It's what I'm going to have to do. And I think that I have to have these conversations. You know, I want to play with different people. There are loads of people in the Discord I want to game with. And at the moment, I keep kind of offering what I want to play. And I even did it yesterday. I even yesterday I posted, I want to play Star Trek Adventures. And I put that up as anyone want to come and play. And actually, that was the exactly the wrong way place to start. It's again, it's starting with me. It's selfish. What I should be doing, I think, is sitting down with these guys and talking to them about what they want from their gaming, and then trying to work out together what game we could construct. You know, 
what set of rules, what methods of play, what world or setting would evoke those things that they want to. And as a group, there's obviously going to be a blend there. And it is in finding that blend that we can create games that will engage us all and excite us all to varying degrees. The important thing is not to think it's either or. And that's the problem I had with Safer's podcast, that I felt that he was making a mistake I've made so many times over the years and for so long, which is to say this, well, if I can't have what I want, then I better give them what they want and sacrifice everything about what I want and not have anything that I want. And that is just as selfish, by the way. It is like a petulant child who says, you know, and that is to me anyway, it's for me, it feels like petulance. It is to say like, well, if I can't have my way, then no, you know, and actually the truth is that, you know, we can find a middle ground. Everything's on a spectrum that everything can be molded and adapted if we're intelligent about it, if we're smart about it, if we're careful about it, if we're honest about it. So yeah, I think there is a new direction coming in my gaming that I need to talk about more. And um, I need to find tools to help me do that. Um, one of them is just to have a conversation with people and try to identify their engagements. I, I jokingly talked a while ago, semi-jokingly talked when I did the episode on the eight engagements about having an interview, Timpson-style interview, where I had a sheet with the different engagements on it, sort of personified as people, you know, Mr. Conflict and, um, you know, Little Miss Narrative and um, Mr. Social, you know, that... that and I actually think, though, in all seriousness, that that might be a useful tool because you can then kind of mark down in the conversation you have with people, in the questions that you ask people. You can try and identify those moments when they talk about those engagements and then literally top them up because it would give you as good a clue as any as to what they want from a game. And then, of course, you can start to intelligently build a game. And just remember, by the way, the game is more than the rules. The game is not the rules. The game is, you know... Yes, mechanisms of play, rules, but it's also like the method we bring to the table and it's the world that we're in. And sometimes the world doesn't matter to us. You know, if I'm playing a combat game, honestly, the world doesn't matter to me in the slightest. I could be fighting a dragon and I don't care which world it's in. I'm fighting a damn dragon and I'm going to beat the crap out of it. On the other extreme, I want to go to worlds of magic and wonder, you know, and um, that requires a totally different approach. And sometimes, you know, some of us just want to tell a really great story and we don't really care so much about it. the world falls into the background behind the theme and the story, you know. And um, those are extremes that I'm, I'm describing there, you know. But um, we can find a ground between us as players if we try. I believe it, I really do. I hope that you can understand where I'm coming from in some way because I just feel utterly misunderstood and so it's my failure, isn't it, that I can't communicate what I mean to people properly. And um, for that, I'm sorry. And I'm really sorry that I let you down, Safer. And I'm really sorry that you felt like you couldn't call me and talk about this. So call me. Let's talk about this. Game on. Hey, Che, it's Arlen. Um, I thought I'd, I'd reach out a little bit and um, lend a little bit of support as much as anything for uh, killing off some player characters. Uh, I know that Certainly in my games, I don't like it when PCs die, even if I feel like it's sort of their uh, their fault. Their their actions led them into that um, position and all of that sort of stuff, or that the the consequences make sense. Um, I don't I don't think it's a fun thing to kill PCs. Certainly, um, and I suspect you feel the same way. Um, and also, I was going to say a couple things just about that. I am of the opinion that um, 
the uh, down and unconscious rules actually end up lending themselves to TPKs or significant party kills. Because what happens, in my experience, is that players decide that they can't retreat anymore because they've got a player down who will just end up getting finished off or, uh, you know, cannibalized or whatever by the bad guys. Um, And so they can't just, you know, let them go. Um, And uh, I think that's a a really natural response. You know, I read read a fair bit of... uh, military history nonfiction um, in high school. I don't read as much of that anymore. But one of the things that I remember distinctly was stories from uh, the Vietnam War about especially the Marines, but all of the American units um, and how they would mount sorties and patrols to and stuff like that to to recover bodies who that had been killed in in action and the uh vietnamese forces learned about that pretty quickly learned that they could stage ambushes and stuff like that on forces that were out to recover bodies um and despite that the the policy continued and it was considered a um you know a sort of popular expression of the the kind of brotherhood among the the soldiers that um you know if you if you had to die for something dying to get your friend's body back was something worth it maybe or more valuable than a lot of other missions so i don't know i i think that that's a big factor in tpks cuz one of the things that happens of course is that the pcs are down part of their fighting strength and they're less likely to retreat because they don't want to leave one of their buddies behind. And I think that lends itself to TPKs. Um, I think also the grind thing that you talked about is really interesting. And it's important to recognize when that happens. In my experience, that kind of grind is often caused by a sort of mismatch between the the game system and the fiction you know if you have a game system that models things one way and a fiction where things seem like they should be modeled or things like they're going a different way that's a big cause of that that grind experience for me um but there's there's other stuff too and i think it um you know, one of the real strengths of certain systems is the way that combat can still be sort of up in the air, even if it seems like it's leaning one direction or another. And other systems, it seems like, you know, I guess with with Gargan or Orcs, uh, PCs, I mean, PCs don't like to surrender even at the best of times, but especially with Gargan or Orcs, it seems like they're unlikely to choose to surrender. So, so to be honest, I'm not sure how you deal with that. Um, but I do think mismatch between uh, fiction expectations and game expectations is a big factor. I also think I, I really do believe in the idea that you can play for too long. Um, you know, it is an arduous task to game master a game, in my opinion, which is not to say that it's not fun and rewarding, but um, – it's a it's a serious undertaking, and um, I think, you know, for me, after about three hours, I'm often unless it's been a really good session, and I'm sort of energized by the session itself. That's often the point where I'm like, look, I I gotta 
call the session here because I just don't have anything left in the tank to to run a good session. Um, but, you know, everybody is different with regard to that, and I may have a lower tolerance for that sort of thing. And that's where Arlen left off. Thank you for calling in, dude. And uh, much you've talked about there that I think I've already touched on, um, except to say I'm absolutely with you on you can play too long in terms of session length. I just feel like I'm I'm really suffering from that. And, of course, I feel bad about it. I've got a session where I play once a month. It's currently about a four-hour session, and honestly, four hours is too long online. Face-to-face, I don't think it's a problem, but online? Yeah, I'm bringing it down now, and now I feel like I'm cheating them, so I don't know. Anyway, thank you, Arlen, so much for calling in and uh, sharing all your thoughts, and you know, most of which is just all sensible stuff. And now I'm going to bottle out. I'm going to split this episode in two. Uh, because there's another 40 minutes easy coming and I, I can't put you through one hour and 45 minutes of whatever of, of roleplay rescue dungeon master's diary in one sitting so i'll see you tomorrow for part two game on